0: Good evening, everybody. Let's all stand. Together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing, Come, people of the risen King, and then when we all get to heaven. Come, people of the risen King, who delight to bring Him praise. Come all and tune your hearts to sing to the morning star of praise. From the shifting shadows of the earth, we will lift our eyes to Him. Where steady arms of mercy reach to gather children in. Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue rejoice. One heart, one voice, O Church of Christ, rejoice. From young and old, from every land, men and women of the faith. Come those with full or empty hands, find the riches of His grace. Over all the world, His people sing, shore to shore, we hear them call. The truth that cries through every age,
1: our God is all in all
0: Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue rejoice, one heart, one voice, O Church of Christ, rejoice. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace in the mansions proudly. place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of him in glory.
2: Amen. That's good singing. That's a good kickoff song right there. I like that for our evening service. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord in heaven, we come before you and we do thank you that we can gather together. We can lift up our voices in song. We thank you for each person who's come out for our evening service, each person who's live streaming our service. I pray that you bless us all as we exalt you. We pray these things in Christ's
0: name. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Let's continue in singing by lifting up our voice and singing, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, another one of our mission songs. Tell me the story of Jesus, right on my heart every word, tell me the story most precious. Across. With-
2: ago um, down in junior church one of our church family who grew up as a missionary did a presentation in the junior church primary church and I heard that it was amazing it was very very well done so I approached that young lady who grew up in Taiwan and I said to her listen I heard you did an excellent job down in junior church, presenting your youth growing up on the mission field, and immediately she turned red. <laughs> but that was surely out of excitement, I'm sure. <laughs> but I asked Rose if she would come and do for us, although she said she modified it a little bit, being that we're not all under sixth grade. Um, but she's going to come and talk to us about her youth growing up in Taiwan, and uh, if she gets a little confused once in a while and says, Thailand, you just look past that, uh, but, uh, oh, that's me who gets confused <laughs> and does that. Gonna I get yeah, you're not going to get confused? I Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Rose, come right on up. You've seen your mom and dad do this, 100 oh, 100 times.
3: All right, so as Pastor said, my parents are missionaries to of Taiwan. I just wanted to show a few things about Taiwan uh, to get started before I go into that. <sighs> <laughs> I'm not very good at this. I'm sorry. So the first thing, um, Taiwan, as you can see, it's got a central mountain range. It's not very far from China at all. It's about 100 miles between, so that's the Taiwan Strait. And every so often China you know, wants to put their little boats down there, whatever, fly their planes over, because they do want to take Taiwan over, which I think is probably a matter of time. But anyways, we'll see what happens. Um, I modified it very, very minimally. So you guys are all kids tonight, <laughs> okay? Um, I've made a little picture here where Vermont is, where Taiwan is, it's very far. Uh, two, nope, 7,639 miles, so you'd have to travel two and a half times across the continental US to get there. So it's a long plane ride. A <laughs> um, little bit of perspective on the size, Taiwan is just a little bit bigger than Vermont, but it has a lot more people than Vermont. So for every one person, Vermont, 37 in Taiwan. So. And most of these people are um, Buddhist. So um, it's about, I think it was less than one percent considered to be uh, Christian of any sort. That's including Roman Catholic, so. Very strong presence in Buddhism. Um, There's a few things they're known for. They do have some tall buildings, because they have to to build up, because they don't have room to go anywhere Mm -hmm. else. So that one building on the previous Screen. This is a picture from that building on the left side. It's 85 stories up. I don't think we're on the 85th story, so we're not as far up as we could be. But
2: What city is that?
3: That's where? down in Gashong, so that's where my parents are missionaries and have been for many years. <laughs> and then they have the Taipei 101, which is located in the capital, and it's very tall. Just a few pictures. It's very pretty. Uh, the east coast, so where that central mountain range is. The east coast is the prettiest coast. The west coast is where you see a lot of the um, tall buildings, cities, and industry. And that's just a silly thing. They have lots of lots of strange to us um, ways to build their buildings and things. There's some of the food. Uh, including the chicken fingers, chicken feet, <laughs> whatever, chicken feet. We have chicken fingers here, it's feet there. And that is considered a delicacy, and I do miss the food, it's very good food.
2: Can you point with a little lace and tell us what the food is?
3: It's the very top. Chef. Top one? Always wanted to do this. <laughs> All right, so that's the chicken feet right there. Yeah. And this is uh, ch- uh, beef noodle soup. Ooh. These are... This has a few names. I think this one is considered dumpsing. They're dumplings, but they're um, steamed. So there's you can boil them, you can steam them, and you can actually deep fry them. Those are really good. Not good for you, but very good. And I have no idea what half of this stuff is right <laughs> You just eat it. <laughs> and some you like and some you don't like. <laughs> Uh, So, like I said, my parents were very young. My brother there was two months old when they first went over to the field. So they've been Mm -hmm. over there for 34 years and just a few pictures through the years. My sister and I down on that bottom left picture are wearing, it's called chi-pao and they're very, very, they're silky, they don't have much give, so Mm -hmm. when you sit down, you kinda have to sit down because you can't sit down all the way and the slits go way up, so we stopped wearing them after we were a certain year. A certain age. <laughs> but here's a little bit of the ministry and these are all old pictures. I wish I had more recent ones, um, but this was in high school. Um, that was our one of our Christmas programs. Um, so lots of singing choir um, songs there. And then we had a decent sized uh, teen group. Um, A lot of times when missionaries start trying to build a church there, they go ahead and reach out to the kids Mm -hmm. because the kids are more receptive. I mean, the Bible says, you know, you have to have that, the heart of a child, you know, a child can understand it and that's where we kind of have to go back to. Um, And so we reached out to the kids through Bible ministry. It was uh, Friday, every Friday. And so a lot of these, well, some of these kids were in that Bible ministry and they kind of grew up in the church, which was something that was special to us that we didn't realize until we got older. Just how special because then we we became very good friends with everyone there. So Um, this young gentleman, I had another picture and I forgot to put it in, but he was actually saved through a chalk drawing. So there was another couple that came and they were just visiting the area. And um, it was, when he got saved, the the youth group really kind of rallied behind him. And it was neat to see, but I don't think he's doing very well right now either. But anyways, we also have summer and winter camps. Um, I don't know how many churches it is, but all across the island, we usually meet in a central location. Mm -hmm. And as you know, it's not a very big island, so the longest trip is probably three and a half hours or so. Um, But there is a big enough group that we started doing winter camps as we got a little bit older. Um, So something very similar to what you guys would do at Camp Sunlight. But anyways, I just wanted to end end with, no one has to be afraid to share the gospel. Um, we're all missionaries. We're all called to be missionaries. You don't have to go mm-hmm. across the world to be a missionary. You just go across the street and go to your neighbor's house. And it's something that I have to encourage myself to do because I'm a very timid, shy person. So <laughs> um, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. Excellent. Thank
2: you. Very good. And um, absolutely feel free to talk to Rose. Ask her what it was like to grow up in uh, Taiwan. And, I, you know, I, I think it's great that we have a, a young lady in the church that has that background, that understanding that you can talk to, and I, I like that. Every once in a while we chat about it, um, and she teases me because I get Taiwan and Thailand, although I think I've mastered it. I think I've mastered it. <laughs> Where right over Okay. Oh. What are we doing? Songs? Okay. Just uh,
0: songs? No. Yeah, let's do My Life is in You, Lord, and then we'll do the video. Okay. All right. So just that first song, Mike. All right. My Life is in You. All right. Here we go. You may remain seated. My life is in You, Lord. My strength is in You, Lord. My hope is in You. My hope is in you, Lord, in you, it's in you. I will praise you with all of my life. I will praise you with all of my strength. My strength is in you, Lord, my hope.
1: Tu as changé l'eau en vain, ouvert les yeux par ta main, le comme toi, comme toi. Notre Dieu, Dieu est le plus grand, Dieu est le plus fort, Dieu, tu es bien au-dessus de tout autre. Notre Dieu guérit, puissant, il agit, au Dieu, notre Dieu. Si notre Dieu est pour nous, qui pourra nous arrêter Et si Dieu est avec nous sera contre nous si notre Dieu est pour nous qui pourra nous arrêter et si Dieu est avec nous?
0: sorrow no more, not a sigh for the blessing of rest. In the sweet, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet, by and by, we shall meet.
4: sir i have to make a couple of comments about our about our um, video uh, remember it is camp and uh, it is camp
2: amen <laughs> it was excellent it the was
4: the excellent. dog we had years ago, some, you know, we've been doing this for 40 years. And um, we've had, we have material that just comes to us. I mean, we go out to the shed after we're gone and look in. There's things that have just happened during the, the winter. And somehow we got this dog. And my wife has, it has decided that we need to get rid of some of the junk. And so she started throwing this dog outfit away, and my girl said, "No, you can't do that." And, and Jean says, "We don't ever use it." And so my daughters um, convinced somebody to dress up as that dog and go out and house. So anyway, that's the reason that was in there. Um, my daughter Deborah does our choir. You heard the choir first part of the video she uh, teaches a song to the the, the the kids she teaches the French kids to speak English she teaches the English kids to speak French and they sing together that's what you heard amen and uh, it's, it's um, I, you know I sit there and listen to it to me it's amazing uh, the, the way the, the choir uh, goes together. When we did camp this year, uh, if you'll open your Bibles to Luke chapter twenty-five, while I'm—I mean, chapter ten, verse twenty-five—and we did camp this year um, was right after our our fiftieth anniversary. So my grandson, who was the game master, uh, was there. Then, then. my other grandson was one of the campers in the video. My granddaughter was also in the video. And, and my daughter, Sarah, whose last name is Cook, was the cook. And just, you know. And so we are really, and, and, and then there's Deborah and Becky that are, we're really invested. Uh, the one thing about it, when Deborah, or when Becky does the video, somehow or other, she's never in any of the pictures. Don't understand that, but anyway, um, Brother Wood, who is our who years ago uh, when we started, I was the camp director, and and we did about twenty years, twenty five years or so, and I said, you know, guys, I'm getting a little old to do this, and uh, he said, oh, okay, well, we we'll had a meeting, he got elected as as. Uh, Chairman or director of the camp, and I became the enforcer. Uh, I'm the bad guy. When kids break the rules, they come see me. And then he gets to be the good guy and forgive them. But uh, it works out. He is from Maine, by the way. He's a maniac. And all right, everybody together? Just just some thoughts tonight, I'm really not going to, to preach, just, just put some thoughts together and um, hopefully this will touch your heart, touch your life. Um, this is a parable a story that we all know, it starts in verse 25, and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Have you ever noticed? I mean, this has nothing to do with the lesson. Have you ever noticed when people ask Jesus questions, he, he very seldom answered? In fact, what he would normally do was pose them a question or ask them a question and get them to answer him back. So this is what he does here He says, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Verse 27, he's answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor is thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right this do, and thou shalt live. Verse 29, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, just again, just just a couple quick thoughts here. Um, he jumped right past, if you, if you read this, you notice he jumped right past, loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and went right to, who's my neighbor? See, so he's a lot like we are. He's a lot like we are in the fact that if we can't experience something with our five senses, we have trouble Thinking of it as a reality. I mean, if we can't taste it, touch it, see it, hear it, smell it, then it doesn't exist. And so that's what he said. He he just said, I'm not going to worry about that. Now, who's my neighbor? And so this begins the story that you all know. And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. This describes, when I read this, this describes humanity that does not know Christ. Go back to the garden. Go back to the garden. And in the garden, God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of the tree, you shall surely die. And so, but they didn't die. They didn't quit breathing. I mean, you read later on that God drove them out of the garden. Uh, drove, uh, he led them out. He didn't have a limousine or anything like that. But he took them out of the garden. So they didn't die physically. They died spiritually. They became separated from God. And isn't that the way... uh, humanity is today um, Paul talks about in Ephesians how we were dead and trespasses and sins and I I realize you know in in Vermont in your comfortable home and and, 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 with a fire going and snow falling outside it's hard to imagine that there's a world that doesn't know Christ I was talking with brother and and sister Taylor, which kind of seems weird that I say that, but we were talking with brother and sister Taylor. And um, I said, well, how many people live in Vermont? And he said, oh, and he he gave me a number in this county. And he, I think he said like 36,000 people live in Addison County where I live. In our building, you walk out our front door, you stand there in the in the doorway of our front door, and you go out 10 miles, draw a circle, and uh, there'll be, inside that circle, a quarter of a million people. Belgium is one of the most densely populated countries in the world. We, we have 640 people per square mile. And, and in that circle, you can go out another 10 miles, and you'll go up to a half a million people, and we'll still be the only gospel-preaching church inside that. We do not have gospel-preaching church. We don't have anybody that preaches the gospel in our area. You saw our video this morning. Uh, one half. Or, or a half of one percent of the people claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and probably not all of that. There's not a there's not a there's not a church on every corner. There's not there, there there it's just not there. The opportunity to be saved is just not there. Jesus answered and said, verse thirty: A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem sits on a hill. Jericho's down in a valley and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead. That's what Satan did to humanity. He's a thief and a murderer. And sometimes we forget that. He's a liar. We just did a series of of lessons in our church on winning the battle for your mind. Because Satan comes along Satan comes along and he all he does is lie and he repeats the lie and he repeats the lie and pretty soon we believe the lie, even in our churches. And by chance, verse 31 there came down a certain priest that way and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. This is normal, by the way, a priest could not touch, a dead body. But he didn't know he was dead. Even before it said he was dead. I mean the Bible not say died. But the, the priest assumed. That this man in need was dead. So what did he do? He went to the other side. And continued on his way. Verse 32. And likewise a Levite. When he was at the place. Came and looked on him. And passed by. On the other side. I've preached this many times and talked about this many times. And, you know, I've always said this is about religion. Religion can't help people. Religion is man's uh, trying, man's wanting to build himself good enough to be able to reach God. You know, and that's the way I described it. But, you know, I have to be honest. I find I'm like that sometimes. I'm occupied, I'm comfortable. I'm going somewhere. And in a world that that is hurting and broken and in need of help, sometimes we're just too busy. Sometimes we're just too occupied. And you know, missionaries come here and, and, and they tell you about the great need, and they, they show you pictures of the great need and sometimes we're just like this priest and sometimes we're just like this Levi we go to the other side because we're comfortable we're in our uh, comfort zone but you know, one thing I've learned Jesus never said that our lives as his children as his follower is going to be a life of comfort needs in fact I love the lesson this morning because I picked up a couple of verses I'm going to use when I get home. They that live godly shall suffer, not may. They that live godly shall suffer persecution. Wow. That is not an encouragement to, uh, for us to live ungodly, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in What are you saying? Well, verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, you know, Bible, Bible historians will tell you the Samaritans were a hated people because they were half-breeds. They were not totally Arab. And they were not totally Jews. So the Jews hated them because they were were part Arab. And the Arabs hated them because they were part Jew. In fact, if you study any kind of New Testament studies, you'll see that often when people would go from Galilee to Jerusalem, they would go a long ways around. Add another 100 kilometers and 60 miles. To their trip because they would not go through Samaria. And that's why it's so significant when Jesus said he must needs go through Samaria. And there he, there he encountered a woman at a well. So, this Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, he was a half breed. I was thinking of reading this one day, and it kind of struck me funny. But you know, Jesus was a half-breed. I mean, he was 100% Jew. He was 100% God. But he was also 100% man. I know that's 200% and that's above my math my, my, my math calculations. But you know, this is the way he was. He said, he, he, had, he, he saw it. Well, there's others. There's another, let me move back a minute. He came where he was. It means he wasn't just sitting at home. He was out and about. If we're going to reach the world for Christ, we've got to get where the people that need Christ are. We may have to put ourselves out. And he saw him. You know, we're not talking about just people that are that are physically in need. We're talking about people where they live, and we need to see people the way Jesus saw them. And Jesus saw them as either saved or lost. When. Our Savior died on the cross. There became a line of demarcation. And you're either for him or you're against him. You're either in his family or you're not. And we need to see people that way. You know, if we're human, I understand that. We see people and they do good things. And we, we uh, oh, that's a good man. And yet he may not know Jesus Christ. Can bad men do good things? Evidently. But this man came along and it says he saw him and then the next thing he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. When he looked at this slide of this individual that was that was need. the Bible said he had compassion on him. When your missionaries come and they shove you pictures of of their people, are the people they want to reach, or their cities? And they say this is a city of a million people and it has no gospel preaching church. Oh, that's nice. How should it affect us? Shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? Shouldn't it bother us? I'm not preaching. I'll, I'll slow down. Shouldn't it bother us that any place you go in the world you can find a Coca-Cola product? Coca-Cola's been around since 1904. According to Coca-Cola uh, webpage, they've been around since 1904. And they themselves say 90% of the world 90% of the world has Touch, taste, and see the cocoa product. I have a good friend who works in uh, Nepal. To get to the village that God has led him to, he is on an animal, a, 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 a burrow or a horse, two days to get there. You cannot arrive at this village by by jeep Yet. So he, I asked him, I said, Dave, I, I got a question for you. Here in this remote village where nobody can get there without, you know, being on an animal of some kind. I said, do you have Coca-Cola? Oh, oh yeah. He said, we walked in the general store, I guess what they was. Walked in, the first thing you see is a Coca-Cola sign in the back. How should that affect us? You see. People believe that work for Coca-Cola, it's the best product in the world. People believe that the work for that are the evangelists for Coca-Cola believe they need to get their message out, and so Coca-Cola does everything they can to make sure that the world has heard about Coca-Cola. So why are you talking about Coca-Cola? Because we've been around two thousand years. And there are places in the world today that have never heard the gospel. From what I understand, what I understand, uh, from Wifglyph Bible translators, there's 5,400 languages and dialects in the world. The Bible is only in 1,200 of those languages and dialects. What does that mean? Well, to me, that means that people live and die without ever really having an opportunity of hearing the gospel. We had an 80 year old lady come in our services one time. We sat down and talked to her after the service, Madam Tate, and, and, and she looked at me after we'd all got done and, and, and uh, presented the gospel, and she prayed with us and she said, I've been waiting for this. All my life. Eight years old. Verse 34. And he went to him. Then he went to him. And he went to him. I'm stuck. And he went to him. Means he didn't. He, he didn't think, let somebody else do this. He went to him. And bound up his wounds. Pouring in oil and wine. And set him on his own beast. And brought him to an end and took care of him. You know. My last year at, Bible, at Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. I worked in the emergency room. And there uh, were nights when we were taking care of people. We would work on them and blood would be everywhere. I would come home and my, my, we had to work in white pants and white shirt and, and all that, you know, white shoes. And uh, uh, I would come home and I would be covered from blood from, from the, the, the soles of my feet to the, the top of my shirt. It just got on you. You couldn't help it. At times, the, at times the, the, the nursing staff would say, you need to go change. You've got too much blood on you. And I'm sure as this good Samaritan was there and he was working on him and he was bounding him up and as he was wrapping his bandage around him, some of the gore got on him. he go, didn't go, ooh. The Bible says they picked him up. Some more gore got on him. Set him on his own beast. Some more of the gore got on him, and he took him down to the inn. And then he didn't give him to the innkeeper. He said he took care of him himself. You see, he 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 got involved. Your pastor next week, next Sunday night, is going to say, "What are you going to do for missions? What are you going to do for missions?" Some of you need to say, here, my Lord's in me. I'm willing to go. I'm available. But some of you are going to pray. Some of you are going to pray and say, Lord, how much do you want me to give? And he's going to give you an unbelievable amount of money to put into that, that, that to mark on your little, your little envelope. And, and your money, you're going to make a commitment, not to the preacher, not to this church, but between you and God. And the Bible says it's better not to promise than to promise and not give. My dad, I was a late child. Uh, my dad and mom were the late 40s when I was born. When Faith Promise came around to our church, I think I was about 11 years old. My dad had already retired. And... Uh, We had this missionary, his name was Bob Hughes. I say that because Brother Chato uh, brother knows who he is. Got up and talked about about faith promise. And, 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 you know, my dad was living on a fixed income. He was retired. His bills were paid, but he still, you know, watched closely every month. is what he spent. And. I heard him the night that we were going to take the, the commitment the next day. And we had a kitchen floor and had a crawl space underneath. And he walked across the kitchen floor all night long praying. And every time he crossed this certain board, it would squeak. And I remember listening to that board squeak until I finally went to sleep. The next morning we're on our way to church and he said, I, I'm going to tell you that God has convicted me that I'm going to give three dollars a week now I know three dollars a week today doesn't mean anything, but in nineteen sixty one we were only paying nineteen cents a gallon for gas, so three dollars was a lot of money
5: yeah.
4: and he said i don't know how I don't have three dollars a week in my budget and and you know smart smart out kid that I was I said, well, faith promises. You promise and by faith, you give and let God do the rest. And I watched my dad for that year. God, sometimes God would increase his income. He found money in his pocket he didn't know he had one time. Put on a suit cut and he reached in his pocket and pulled money out and he goes, Faith promise. Sometimes God de- decreases outcome. He needed to buy tires. He'd set aside money to buy tires, and when he got there, he got to buy them for cheaper than what he thought. He came home, jumped up and down, and said, God supplied my faith promise this month. But I remember one month. I remember one month. That his income his income didn't increase, and he didn't have anything decrease. And we were sitting there. I said, "What are you going to do? What are you don't do, Beth?" He said, "I'm going to give anyway, and trust God to take care of the family." And he gave anyway. By the way, I never missed a meal. You can tell. I mean, come on. <coughs> God supplied his need that much, even when he didn't have it. Even when he didn't have the money he gave. So when I got ready to go to the mission field, this was years later. He was still on a fixed income. And and he was living in a a, a, uh, uh, convalescent home. And, and he said, hey, I've got a couple involved. involves. I need for you to take to church. One was his tithe. And one with his faith promise. And so, you know, nosy son that I am. I looked at his, his tithe. His tithe was ten percent of what came in. Of his social security. But he was giving $125 a month. $125 a month the faith promise. And, and later on, I could ask him, I said, how could you do that? He said, you know, God's just taking care of me and I'm in such good shape. I can't help but do that. At the end of this story, at the end of this story, Jesus asked this, Lord, your question. He said, who was the neighbor unto him that was, was uh, found by the road and the man said well the Samaritan and he said go thou and do likewise well you know I, I, have, I, you know, I can't walk on water and I can't feed 5,000 but I can follow the command of Jesus where he said that we're to love people where they are whatever, however they are, and take care of them until we get them where they ought to be. Let's pray. Father, tonight we again thank you because you are so good to us. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for this church. We thank you for these good people who came out tonight. Father, I, I, I just pray that you would take your word we take your word and have it penetrate our hearts. So there would be no question. There would be no question of your direction, of your leading, guiding in our hearts and in our lives. We commit this to you, in Jesus' name, Amen.
2: Thank you very much for coming out for our Sunday evening service. Be sure and um, this week be in prayer, asking the Lord, Lord, what would you send me? Would you help me to send? Be in prayer about that as we go into our last uh, missions emphasis Sunday, next Sunday. Looking forward to it. But Brother Larry, he already dismissed us in prayer and we are dismissed. Thank you so much for coming out tonight.